The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, and a, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus, Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning again. I'm really excited to see some faces I haven't seen in a while. So if you've been away, welcome back. And uh, hopefully you feel the same way about seeing me and, and your community of faith. I'm also excited about this passage. Because just as Jesus called Bartimaeus, I'm convinced he's going to call some of you to himself today. And so with that, I'm going to start with another word of prayer. And then we're going to dive into this passage. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are excited about a new school year. I think certain parents are excited for more structure and breathing room. Uh, and yet, uh, we have two more weeks that we're going to spend in the book of Mark. For those who've been with us for some time, we started looking at the book of Mark in January. And so we're going to spend this week and next week closing out our study of Mark, and then we're going to launch into something new. And uh, as is our custom, I want to begin this preaching time, this message time, with a reflective question. Have you ever taken a risk and reap an incredible reward? Have you ever taken a risk and reaped an incredible reward? Uh, just last week, I was browsing ESPN.com. I am a sports fan, and I came across a brilliant story. And so I'd like to share from that story today. The National Sports Collectors Convention regularly has never had a more arguably has never had a more exciting moment in its 39 years than what happened Friday in Cleveland. Vintage Breaks, a company that offers collectors a chance to buy spots in unopened packs of vintage cards, charged $500 for spots in the 1955 Bowman pack. Let me, let me just pause there. Who here collects or did collect baseball cards or other cards? Raise your hand. So you'll, you'll maybe enjoy this story. So un, unopened cards from 1955, you had a chance to buy in at 500 a card. On stage, wired up to the crowd, owner Leighton Sheldon screamed, 
when he saw the second to last card in the pack, quote, my eyes bulged out of my head, Shelton said. And what Shelton saw was the most valuable card in the set, a Mickey Mantle, which appeared, appeared to be in pristine condition. There's a picture of it on the screens behind me. Meanwhile, some 375 miles east of Cleveland, Chris Roth was fin finishing up his job as a third-generation bookbinder in Maryland when he decided to check the archived videos of the pack openings from earlier in the day. Roth, who randomly got the 19th card that was to be opened in the pack, discovered that he was the proud owner of the new Mickey Mantle card. My friend told me my face went pale white when I saw it, Roth said. I was weak in the knees. The story goes on. On Saturday morning, Sheldon returned to the convention and took the card to be graded by PSA, considered the industry's authority on the condition of cards. Three hours later, PSA returned with a grade of 9 out of 10. A PSA 10 card is deemed virtually uh, in perfect condition and gives the card its highest possible value. It marked only the eighth time that PSA gave a 1955 Mantle Bowman card a grade of 9. Sheldon said he was told by PSA officials it was the first time in more than two decades they had graded that card with a 9. The last PSA 9 for the 55 Mantle Bowman sold for $35,089. All day, Sheldon was working the show in the phones, and by 7 p.m. that night, Sheldon had an offer for $50,000 for the card. Have you ever taken a risk and reaped an incredible reward? That's at the heart of not only this ESPN story, that's at the heart of Mark's story for us today. You see, I think the big idea that our passage teaches is this. Only those willing to risk it all will receive all Jesus has to offer. Only those willing to risk it all will receive all Jesus has to offer. And the vehicle by which we risk it all with God is faith. And we'll see, looking at Bartimaeus, there's three action steps he takes. And then at the end of the sermon, this message I'm giving today, I'm going to invite you to take those steps. Just a heads up. Those three action steps are this. this. Number one, faith starts as a position. Number two, faith continues as a cry. And point number three, faith uh, culminates in a leap. Let's dive in. Faith, point number one, faith starts as a position. We read earlier, and they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so I just want us to pause for a second and imagine the scene. Imagine what it was like for Bartimaeus that morning. You know, history tells us that as a beggar and as a blind man, most likely 
he had no roof over his head. He would have been homeless, if you will. Maybe he had a shed to, to sleep in. And, and as dawn was breaking, you can just imagine him gathering himself and dusting himself off. Most likely, he would have slept on a straw mat of some kind. So he's probably picking piece by piece the straw as he can feel it. And then he's probably standing and making his way to the road. And he's hearing the, 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 the city come alive. He's hearing the market come alive. He's hearing hoof sounds. He's hearing feet. And if he's lucky, he maybe was gifted a piece of bread, a, 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 some crumbs, something to start his day off well. You know, according to Joel Green, a theologian uh, I studied for this text, such a person would belong to that 5 or 10% of the population known as expendables. This man would have had no attachments to possessions or kin. He was a nobody from nothing. And yet, in a weird way, it was a gift because he was able to acknowledge his need and then position himself in the path of grace. You see, right there and then, people were making their way through Jericho to Jerusalem for the celebration of the Passover. You know, as we've studied the book of Mark, um, right, Mark 8, 9, 10, things take a dramatic turn. They take a dramatic pivot. Jesus, for the first half of Mark, is proclaiming and demonstrating God's love to a world in need, and then he pivots and has a singular focus towards Jerusalem. And he and his disciples in a great crowd are making their way on this pilgrimage towards Jerusalem. And what does Bartimaeus do with his need? He positions himself where those people would pass by and he might receive their grace and maybe the grace of Jesus. It reminds me of a story here in our church. You know, I love to hear the different stories. I think stories are important, and God is weaving together a tapestry of diverse stories in our church, people from different backgrounds, places. A few years ago, ago, a guy comes to our church with his wife and kids, and I just, he had wonder in his eyes as I would preach. He would just stare at me, and, and they would kind of glitter and glow, and there's curiosity. And shortly after coming, he came up to me and he said, hey, I, I just want to let you know, like, I've never been to church before. This is my wife's idea. Um, you know, I, at my college, I, I, they had a chapel occasionally, and I was there. But I just want to let you know where I'm coming from. She's, she's a follower of Jesus. I'm kind of, you know, with her. And yet he came again and again and again. And, and soon, soon I heard that he joined a community group. You know, beyond Sundays, the primary means by which we gather, grow, give, and go in our faith here is our community groups. And he joined a group. He, he joined something called Alpha to examine the faith. We'll be offering Alpha and other community groups in the, the next month. They'll all be rolling out. He positioned himself in a group. And yet, as communion would come every week, he would just stay seated, humbly, respectfully, as his wife would come forward. Until this spring, I saw him stand. And I saw him come forward and receive communion for the first time. 
It was a special day for many of us that have been kind of walking with him. And then, just last week, he comes up to me after the second service and he says, Paul, I'm ready to be baptized. You see, this man, this successful man, positioned himself in the pathway of grace. And that's what Bartimaeus was doing. And that's what we, in fact, are invited to do today. Reminds me of the, uh, the way John Calvin started his famous works, The Institutes. He, uh, he had this to say, nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. You see, Bartimaeus, he knew his need. He knew there was a gap. He wasn't all he was meant to be. And so he positioned himself. This friend in our church, he positioned himself. Even if it all didn't click, there was something drawing him in, and he had an open mind and an open heart. You see, the Bible says it like this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And sin is not just what we do wrong. And also, when we don't do the things we should do, it literally means we miss the mark. Like, we're off. That's why Isaiah says, we all like sheep, we go astray, we turned our own ways. And Bartimaeus knew there was a gap, there was a miss, and he needed to position himself in the path of grace. That's true for him, and that's true for us. Point number one, faith starts as a position. Positioning yourself to receive God's grace. Point number two, faith continues as a cry. The story goes on. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And again, I want you to imagine this scene. This is a guy that literally couldn't even see, but he could hear. And as the commotion is coming his way, I'm guessing he heard kids saying, Jesus is coming. I'm guessing there was hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. You see, Jesus by this point had a huge following. Hundreds, if not thousands of people making their way with him, behind him on the way to Jerusalem. And there is this beggar on the side of the road screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people are saying, hush up, silence him. And he will not be silenced. There's no barrier that he'll let stay, continue between him and Jesus. He cries out in his need. It reminds me of when we had our first son, Caden. I went to graduate school for far too long. I, I did something called a, a Master's of Divinity and a Master's in Counseling, and I drove an hour and a half to two hours each way when we were in graduate school, and that was going to be a problem for this day that Caden was being born. Caden is our, our oldest. My wife was teaching. I get a call. I'm near Winter Park in Florida, if you know where that's at. We, we were living in Lake Wales, Florida, big distance between us. She says, my I'm going to have this baby. Can you come? And boy, did I come. Listen, I jumped on I-4. Anyone been on I-4 in Florida from Orlando to Tampa? I was in a Dodge Ram pickup, flashing lights, 
blinkers on, honking, screaming. No one was getting in my way. I'm surprised I didn't get arrested. I was hightailing it from basically Orlando down to Lake Wales, I-4, then down the gut of Florida, Highway 27. I got to the hospital. Her contractions were so close together. Some of you know one of my greatest fears is to have to deliver a baby. I just want to put that out there. I've said it before. Not for me. Some of you in the medical profession, praise God. Thank you, God. Anyway, we're, we're in the lobby. They don't have a room for us. What do I do? We need a room right now. And within five minutes, they got us a room. And this sweet little nurse walks in. It's probably her first year in the gig, first year in the job. She's like, hi. I forget her first name. And hi, I'm so-and-so. She hooks Carly up to the monitor. There's the heartbeat, and it's beautiful. And she's like, I'm here to help. And then, no heartbeat. And I see this woman go pale. And she rushes to the wall and hits this big red button. And she goes, we've lost your son. We've lost the heartbeat. And she didn't know what to do. God knows I didn't know what to do. But I knew one thing that I could do. I ran into the hall, and what did I do? I screamed, help me! Help us! I mean, I'm a big man. It's probably a scary moment. I was screaming. I was going to be heard. And thanks be to God that that little hospital in Winter Haven, Florida, they have a SWAT team ready. I don't know where these people were hiding. A whole group came into the room. Caden's umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck. And so as she was having the contractions, she was choking him. And they saved him. But I had nothing left to do but cry and cry out. Have you ever found yourself unleashing such a cry? Perhaps that's what you're being called to do today. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's hope lost. Maybe there's some help you need. Maybe you want to be restored. Maybe there's a healing. Maybe you have a son or daughter. They're scared to go to school, scared to go away to school. Whatever it is, maybe what, whatever it is, we start see Bartimaeus cry. And we're called to cry along with him. Now what's interesting is as he cries out, there's a clarity which makes no sense to his cry. He says something very specific. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This nobody with nothing knew everything. He was citing Old Testament promises, prophetic messages issued all throughout the Old Testament that David, someone in the line of David, would rise up and restore the people of Israel and restore our broken world. Somehow, this beggar man got it. From my studies, I think this is the first time someone's declaring this title in the book of Mark. In Jeremiah chapter 23, this was promised. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Ezekiel, for thus says the Lord, Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep, 
that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. I and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince amongst them. And I am the Lord. I have spoken. And Bartimaeus recognizes it's not just Jesus of Nazareth. This is Jesus, the long-awaited one. This is the Savior, the Messiah. And it reminds me of this quote from Helen Keller. Better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. You see, Bartimaeus sees Jesus and he cries out to him. And Sean and Ashley and others were invited to do the same today. Faith starts as a position. It continues as a cry. And now it culminates in a leap. The story concludes, and Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I love how one theologian puts it. The sun stands still. He hears Bartimaeus' cry. He hears our cries. And the sun stands still. Jesus, through all the noise, he hears the man in the calls for him. So how does Bartimaeus respond? He leaps. He jumps. He springs. The passage says, in throwing off his cloak, he, cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Now this was a big deal for Bartimaeus and any homeless beggar. Why? The cloak is the very thing he would place in front of him to gather the money that people would give to him. And so when Jesus calls Bartimaeus, he throws aside the cloak, he throws aside everything he knows, and he goes all in with his everything to Jesus. He leaps into the arms of Jesus, existentially speaking. He's all in. And as he goes all in, as he takes this risk, as he trusts, as he has faith, everything changes. In leaping to Jesus, Bartimaeus not only recovers his sight, he actually recovers his life. So it is with him and so it is with us. You know, sometimes God heals us, other times he doesn't, but he's always calling us back to himself to offer us a, you know, utter change, 180, new life, new hope, new love that will last forever. I've loved you with an everlasting love, the Bible says. And he demonstrates it. He stops Jesus on his way to Jerusalem and demonstrates it one last time to this nobody, this nothing. 
But notice how the story ends. It says, your faith has made you well. Get up. And then it says the man got on the road and followed Jesus. This man goes from being a beggar and a loser on the side of the road to being a disciple and a follower and an insider on the road. No matter who you are and where you are, God, through his son Jesus, is calling you, I believe, the scripture testifies, to come to him. It starts with a position. It continues with a cry, and it culminates in a leap. Only those willing to risk it all will receive all Jesus has to offer. So just like Bartimaeus, are you willing to acknowledge your need for him or someone you love today? Are you willing to position yourself, cry out, and leap up into his love? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite us to kind of close our eyes, bow our heads, and imagine. So just, if you could follow along. Friends, imagine what it was like to be Bartimaeus on that day. You get up in the morning, you dust yourself off, and you acknowledge your need for more. And now I want you to examine your own life. Maybe it's for you or for someone you care about. And you acknowledge the need. I want you to now think of Bartimaeus making his way to the road and sitting down. And as Jesus approaches with your specific need in the silence of your seat, I want you to simply proclaim Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. And I want you to say it again. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And just as Jesus says to Bartimaeus, what is it you want me to do for you? And he, he further solidifies the faith of Bartimaeus in a public way with eyes shut, heads down. If you find yourself crying out, to Jesus today, I want you to take a leap and I just simply want you to raise your hand or stand right now. Acknowledging your need for him. Acknowledging your need for him with your children, your spouse, your friends, whatever it is. And I'm gonna pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would search this room that you would search our hearts and our minds and you would see our position. You would see our cries, hear our cries and acknowledge our hands lifted high for you, our, our bodies standing high for you. God, we pray that you would love us right here and right now where there's healing that needs to take place. God, we pray that you would touch us with the grace of Jesus Christ where there's hope that needs to invade our lives, God, I pray for hope. Where there's help, where we're struggling with addiction, marriage, wherever, God, give us that help. Where there's reconciliation that's desperately needed, reconcile us to you and to one another. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.